I'm Lauren Keenan, and thanks for listening to this podcast about property, interior design, and home styling, and this series, which is all about adventures in renovating for profit. Some big news at the top of the show. Today's podcast is thanks to Mortgage Choice Neutral Bay, our trusted mortgage broker who can help you find the right home loan. I'm Scott Keenan, and we're really excited to have Mortgage Choice Neutral Bay on board for this series, which is for everyone, you know, whether you're looking to update your home or invest in a project or do a total redevelopment, all of these tips can be applied and we're going to take you through some exciting ones in this episode, which is about planning for success. We want to arm you with the questions that you need to ask yourself and the experts when you're tackling your own renovation for profit and as we know, planning is key. Planning is key, yes. You're not going to succeed in your project without being a good planner. So we're going to give you all the tips and advice you need to uh, to make that happen. And this is the second half of the series. We've had four episodes already plus two bonus episodes which you can go back to and listen to after you've heard this if you haven't uh, heard those already. The bonus episodes are great. Yeah. Uh, enjoyed talking with Stephen, of course. Yes, our, our lovely sponsor. So we have had a little break. We don't want to rub this in anyone's anyone's face, but uh, we have been. <laughs> in Italy on holidays. <laughs> yeah, if you feel like poking around a little um, bit in some of our uh, social feeds, just search hashtag Keenan Euro 18, number 18. Yes, yours had mostly, um, there was a lot of food pictures <laughs> <laughs> and streetscapes. Uh, mine had a lot of architectural pictures that I that I enjoyed seeing those sites. Yeah, wasn't it good? Oh, it was amazing. Yeah. There's some video up there hashtag as well. Hashtag take me back. Yeah, so take us back right now. We've got some videos up there, some cool pics. Um, if you're looking for some holiday inspiration or even, as Lauren said, some uh, nice um, Mediterranean architectural inspiration too, then check it out. Um, hashtag Keenan Euro 18 on the socials. Can, can we go back to Tuscany? Red wine. We can. Let's go. <laughs> no, I suppose that's a hard thing too, isn't it? You're renovating overseas holidays. It's hard to. Um, well, they're off the they're off the agenda. You can't that, do that, both. Yeah, no. You need you need to dedicate yourself to the job at hand. And when we did our renovation uh, last year, it meant you know no overseas holidays. So I don't think we had a holiday last year, and you know you have no, to focus. No, in we on... did. We went to Tasmania, and it was the snowiest week in September on record. <laughs> Probably serves us right then, doesn't it? <laughs> anyway, so today's topic is. It's not the sexiest of topics, I have to, to warn everybody. Yeah, but it's um, critical. It's super important. Um, when we did our own renovation, yes, who, you were the who one was doing... the spreadsheet queen? Correct, it was you. You Me were the one doing I all the planning. I hate spreadsheets. I know, but how important is it to, to get it right? I think we should talk about that to start with. Yeah? It is, and I, I think we need to say, you know, these project management tools for your renovation, they don't have to be super complicated. It just ha- has to have all the information that you're going to need at your fingertips. Because the, the reason is, is that if you don't plan for it, you won't, you won't succeed and you won't um, hit your budget. You'll overspend. You won't Things get the results you desire. Than they should have. Yeah, absolutely. When a lot of the time you need to hit a um, particular timeline on these projects. Because sometimes one task will impact when the next task can happen. So if, if that one hasn't been finished, then the next one, an old mate can't start the next one. Well, that's exactly right. You're managing multiple tradies or multiple family members who are going to be doing jobs for you or, or both. both. <laughs> um, you've got to get the timeline right. You've got to get the budget right. Um, and it can impact 
impact the overall success and the enjoyment of doing a project like this. So since you were the, the sort of the, the organisational queen of our project and you've had a bit of experience in this, tell us a bit about the some of the project management tools that you used. You were saying that they don't need to be complex, but what are some of the good ones that you used? Yeah, that's right. They don't have to be complex. I used Google Sheets, um, which is very much like Excel. If you've used Excel before, maybe at work or to organise things for your family, you'll, you'll find Google Sheets very similar. Um, the thing I liked about Google Sheets, and maybe Excel can do this as well, is that it was really easy to share um, with, with you because you needed to be able to pick up on things if I wasn't going to be on site that day or you just needed to look at some of the numbers. So it was really easy to uh, make changes to that document and have the other people that we were working with um, being able to have access to that. And that's the same if you're working with a designer or a builder who wants to see how uh, workflows are tracking and those sorts of things. It can be really useful for yeah, that too. Yeah, and of course it does depend on the size of your project. In our case, we were dealing with quite a, a small you know, three-bedroom house. It was mostly cosmetic changes, but there were still a lot of things to keep track of. Perhaps the level of detail you go into does depend a little bit on how big the renovation is. That's true, um, but when you're trying to, to work to whatever your budget is, it might be a $10,000 makeover. It might be a, a $50,000 reworking of a property where you're taking out some walls or putting in a new kitchen, or it might be a total redevelopment. At the end of the day, you've got to hit the budget. You've got to hit your timelines. And so using the, the right tools and, and getting getting those things down is, is super important. And now, Google worked for us. There are other cloud-based tools around, but we would definitely recommend using those. I because it was simple it's and so easy. It, it just did what I needed it to do. I think it's really important to have all the information you need in one location. So instead of having multiple spreadsheets, um, you know, one for the budget and one for the timeline and Contact one for a details. task list, and, you know, have one document and you'll notice at the bottom of Excel or Google, you can set up different worksheets, different little tabs for each area. And that way everything is actually in one document and all you need to do is, is click on which set of information you want to access at the bottom of your spreadsheet and you'll you'll go directly into that page. And spreadsheets are also a really good way of listing out all of the individual tasks and setting responsibilities for each of the tasks. You can set a budget and you can say, well, it's $10,000 on the bathroom and it's $3,000 on paint. But there are steps in each of those and it might not be the same person carrying out each of the tasks, even if it's just a couple doing a renovation like we did. There might have been some things that some steps in a total task that I was doing and some steps that you were doing. I actually created this is a bit of marketing speak for you here because you know I used to work in marketing. Um, this is about the extent of my marketing knowledge these days. Um, what's called a Gantt chart to list out all the tasks. So at the top of the spreadsheet, um, I had the, the months that we were working. So we were working across um, about three months in total. I literally broke it into weeks. And then for each task, I shaded in those areas. So you could really get a, a quick visual to see just by colour. Where the amount of work was going to like be which done. Which weeks yeah. were the busiest. Yep. Um, and when you were definitely going to have to be there that whole week or other weeks there or, might or only be you, one or you, two boxes shaded in. I think it's quite clever actually because you can also see when you're going to be too busy if you're planning to do too many things all at once. And it's never going to happen. So so you can you can rejig it based on a like a visual assessment of, um, of how all those jobs are looking. And there's lots of great examples online even if you just do a, a quick Google search of a Gantt chart. So it's G-A 
T. It's a really well-known tool and yeah, project management some of them are and quite complicated, but I recommend just simplify it and just make it work for you and your situation. So you talked a little bit in an earlier episode about some of the tools that you use to, to find um, properties, particularly some of the key um, websites like domain.com.au and realestate.com.au yeah. and the, sort of the tools that sit within those sites. Were there any other planning tools that you used finding or, or developing your, your plan for this property? Well, you know, I do love Instagram. So I did actually use Instagram and Pinterest quite a bit just to gather my thoughts a bit on on what we were doing, especially because we were doing a bathroom renovation and we were trying to keep costs down, but still wanted it to look great. So just collating images of, of how these spaces could look. And I think it's also useful to have a little collection of images um, of other projects so you can show your tradies what you mean. Sometimes not everybody gets it when you're just explaining it. If you can show them, then that can be really helpful. And how do you store the things that you like? Do you need to save them to your phone or is there um, ways inside each of those um, apps that you can sort yes, of start so collections of photos? There are. You're not across that, are you? I've got a bit of an idea, but I think you've got you know more. Um, so in Pinterest, um, some of our listeners may may use Pinterest. It's a great tool. It's basically like a digital um, scrapbook. So you can collect images around a certain topic and you can store them inside essentially a folder. Is it just app-based or is it can you use it on a desktop as well? You can use it on a desktop as well. Yep. So that's really handy too if you want to see things um, in a larger scale. Um, and then you can then share those digital scrapbooks yep. with other people. So you can send them an invitation. Um, you can send them a link to view your inspiration. Instagram, a little bit different. Obviously, it's pretty much just on your phone. You can view it on a big computer, but you can't interact with it a lot. But there is a great collections tool on Instagram as well, just for keeping all the, you know, all the things to do with your renovation project and how you might want your bathroom or your living room to look in separate folders in Instagram. So I suppose the other part of um, researching and, and planning before you actually get stuck into the, the development of what your project and your Gantt chart looks like are things like budget and working out how much similar properties are actually selling for in your target suburbs. Yeah, and I think that's really important as well. And I know we had a um, a discussion in an earlier episode about the usefulness of apps like Domain and realestate.com. Yep. But um, I know you went and had a great talk with uh, Daniel Aircox from the agency in Bondi. Yes. And he was telling you about how it's still really important to have relationships with real estate agents because if you find a great property, you can actually go to the agent and say, well, what happens if I did this? Or how much would it be worth if I did that? And that's quite valuable. So should we have a listen to what Daniel had to say? It's always good to know, well, if you're potentially looking in that market of unrenovated properties and haven't been necessarily looking at what the renovated version of this property would look like, that's certainly a key. What would Mr. Agent, you know, Daniel, you know, if this property went to market today, but it had a new bathroom, a new kitchen, obviously it's hard to know what the finishes are like, but what would that sell for? And then you can certainly find out, well, oh, hang on a sec, I'm surprised because some unrenovated properties are getting as much as the, unre the renovated properties. And the reason being is that people want to do their, put their own stamp on it. Um, so that's certainly a question that you want to look at. That's definitely something to bear in mind. It is. So you really do have to, you know, choose wisely and, and get all your information up front and work out what's the best option. And, and it shows why investigating and planning is essential. Um, even though you think on the face of it, a property might stack up and you think you could make some improvements and make some money, you need to put that in the context of the local market and what other 
properties are selling for or being marketed for so that you don't you know miss the boat or, or, or getting at the wrong area at the wrong price exactly so the other thing that I think is really important before you start any renovation is having a rough knowledge of how much things cost yep and I know we're going to talk um, more about budgeting in the next episode yes but I'm talking about do you know roughly how much it costs to carpet a three-bedroom house I, I honestly couldn't tell you well that's right. So these are the things. <laughs> I'm, you, I'm guessing you do. <laughs> it depends what range you're going, you know, budget, <laughs> mid-range, you know, probably premium. for, of course, premium. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but really just having some general knowledge about how much things cost is a really important step in the planning process. Because if you know that the property um, is going to cost X and your renovation budget is Y, you need to know that you're not overspending, um, that you're not overcapitalizing. Before you've even started. That's exactly right. Yep. So I don't know if you remember, but after we'd um, purchased the property and we, we had a, a vague idea of what had to be done, but we really did want to step out how much these you know things were going to cost. We Googled how much this carpet costs. We rang people we know who just had a bathroom done in that general location. Yeah. Um, we spoke to some landscapers. So we started to plot these things out. And then that really informs how much you're willing to spend on different parts of the property. And whether doing um, a part of the job you think is going to be worth doing is actually worth doing and whether you can afford it or not. That's right. And some of those people that we spoke to ended up coming on board and helping with the project, like um, the builder that we spoke to, um, who was really helpful and who was um, credentialed and um, was recommended by some family that had done some uh, work for some of our family members in, in the area. That's right. And I know we're starting to sound um, a bit like a broken record here, but we really can't emphasise enough how important it is to work with the right people. I suppose the difficult bit is, how do you know if a supplier is the right one? Well, it's kind of like doing a job interview, isn't it, I think? It is. Shall we go to Marshall Keane, the Bondi builder, who we interviewed recently? He's got some great insight into how to pick a builder. Do your due diligence at the beginning of the project. Work out who the person you think you can work best with or easiest with. The project will cost what it costs. Yeah. If you have that transparency, know what the builder's charging. You've got the base for everything to go well. Talking eastern suburbs of Sydney, there are a lot of people that do work in the corporate sector. People want to see figures. They want to see paperwork. They want communication. If I go and work in Queensland, often people will be like, oh, yeah, that's the, that's the, the, the bottom line. Okay, as long as it hits that. You need to know your client as much as anything. And if they want up-to-date figures, if you are being honest, it should be easy. I would never balk at giving someone whatever information they need because in the very beginning of the conversations between myself and the client, I'm putting all that down on paper. There should be no smoke and mirrors. If there's smoke and mirrors in the beginning, find another builder. So I was kind of right. It is a bit like a job interview, isn't it? I mean, you can kind of get a feel for what people are going to be like, but you've got to actually make the effort to talk to them, find ways to understand what it's going to be like working with them. Have they worked with anybody that you know? And part of it, I guess, is instinct. But for me, it's things like, do they answer their phone and their emails? Um, do they return my messages if I leave a voicemail? Are they polite? Are they polite? Do they turn up um, to quote on your job when they say they're going to turn up? Um, do they seem to have a genuine interest in what you're doing? And are they going to be respectful of you and your property? 
And I think what Marshall had to say as well about um, pricing is a was a real eye opener for me, in that I didn't realise that you could be that direct with with builders, and maybe that comes after having a bit more of a relationship, or maybe when you're on a, a larger renovation job, you're dealing with more scale and more opportunity to talk about mm. um, margins. But as he said to us, the same rules apply. It, it shouldn't really matter how big the job is. At the end of the day, you can ask your builder if you want to to be more transparent about what he's charging you. And he should. Shouldn't be afraid to ask because at the end of the day it's your money you know if you can ask to see some examples of their previous work and and if they've worked on a project like this before as well can can also be helpful so they're all good tips about once you've found somebody that you you think you want to work with and you're trying to suss them out to work out you know whether they definitely are the one you want to uh to, to, to book in to work on your renovation project it's like it's like dating or something isn't it it is a little bit and or, or like hiring somebody not that if, i remember if you <laughs> if uh, you know if if you have to interview somebody for uh, employment, you know, in your workplace, um, it's the same sort of thing. Often there might be four or five people who have the, you know, pretty much the right skills for the job, like a builder coming to build a bathroom. Yeah, I can build a bathroom, but what are they really like? Are they going to be a good cultural fit? Are they going to be able to communicate with you properly? Are they an honest person that talks honestly about budget and about work hours? And um, do they, like you said, do they answer the phone when you when you ring? And all of those things that, that matter. It's really about finding the right type of person to come and work with you um, as much as it is finding somebody whose work is a, of a good quality. That's right. And I, Often those two things, though, go hand in hand, I find. Well, remember when we did chat with Marshall, he was saying that if you're a nice person, if you're a nice client and the builder's a nice person and everybody um, gets along from the start, the quality of work will show at the end. And I think that's you know that's what we should all aim for. So let's take one step back then and can you give us some tips about finding the right people? How do you find those people that you can have those conversations with to work out if they're the right people? I think the best way is probably a recommendation, isn't it? Yeah, I, th- I do think so as well. I mean, that is how we've tended to find most of the people that we've worked with. And if you ask around, you know, most people know, know tradies, most people know a good builder and personal recommendations for me, I think, are often best. Marshall actually recommended for us a joiner recently for some work. Who we've now hired to do some work in our apartment. Correct. So those personal recommendations are fantastic. They're a great way to get first-hand knowledge and feedback from people that you know and trust about a tradesperson or a a specialist of some type because they've seen the work, they've had that personal interaction and they can tell you what it's like to work with them. Yeah. So I think that's one way. But what if you're looking for a particular trade but you don't know anybody that's... Well, look, when you're doing a Renault, all sorts of unusual jobs come up that maybe you didn't anticipate, you know, that you were going to, not going to have a maybe a recommendation for someone to do a screen door for you, are you? You're going to find who who's going to be able to do this for you and do a good job. Have you had any weird ones? Um, not really, but there are um, some other great um, websites that you can use. Um, to and that's the beauty of the net, right? Where- Did you just call it the net? <laughs> You're not even 40 and you just called it the net. Yeah, I did. <laughs> anyway, I'm talking about websites like uh, House and High Pages, which is home improvement pages, yep. and Service Seeking. Uh, have you heard of those? I haven't heard of Service Seeking. I've heard of House and High Pages. Okay, so House, um, different professionals in a range of different industries. There might be joiners, plumbers, interior designers. They'll have their own profile on there where um, quite often they'll upload 
pictures of their work. And there'll also be reviews on there from past clients, other industry professionals. You can get a pretty good sense of who's rated highly for their work and, and who's not. Um, and High Pages works in, in quite the same way. Look, I know people- A bit more tradie focused? Yeah, High Pages is a bit more tradie focused. And I was just going to say, I know you can get your mates or your family and friends to do these reviews for you, but- if someone's got, you know, 50 reviews, chances are they're not all going to be from mum and dad, are they? <laughs> That's right. <laughs> Service seeking is a little bit different. Um, basically, you post a job that you need completed, a bit like Airtasker. People will bid on that and contact you. So instead You can of, do that on high pages can, as well. Yeah, yeah you're well, right, actually. I did that actually. for painting. Uh, we had some external painting on that property yeah, and um, that we worked well. Yeah, I guttering as well and we ended up going with someone else's recommendation. Why do you think these platforms are better or, or different or better? than, say, Google. I mean, these obviously provide a different level of detail with more information. I just think they're more... Well, they are more specific, aren't they, to um, the job at hand. They're related to property and interiors and, and tradies. So... You know, if people have had a good experience or they've used used a tradesperson before through this platform, then they're more likely to provide their review on that particular platform. People who've had bad experiences are probably more inclined to give a negative review, as with most things. But if you read, you know, more than one or two reviews of a person, you can get a sense over, you know, five, six, seven, eight reviews. If one's an outlier, and you know, seven or eight are pretty good, and you can kind of get a feel, well, okay, maybe that was just a bad experience. But also, or, don't or forget once. <laughs> <laughs> well, there are plenty of those out there. But once you've, um, you say you found someone on, on high pages, you're still going to run them through that little checklist that we talked about before. Like, are they returning my calls? Do they turn up when they say they're going to? So that this, you're still working through that list as well. Yeah, good point. We'll come to the big question next. How much heart do you put into a renovation for profit project? But first, finding the money for a new home or even a renovation can be really tough because there are so many lenders and so many products out there. Just like when you're looking for a good tradie or a good interior stylist, it always helps to get a recommendation from someone you trust. We've worked with Stephen Lem and the team at Mortgage Choice in Neutral Bay in Northern Sydney for years now. Yeah, they helped us into our first home with a really great deal that was right for us at the time and Stephen has looked after us ever since. So if you're looking for someone you can trust to find the right home loan for you, we can recommend Stephen to look after you too. Just search Mortgage Choice Neutral Bay. So we've talked through a lot of the, the technical elements, the planning tools that you need and um, some of the, the questions that you need to ask the tradespeople and ask of yourself. But when you're in the planning stages of a project like this, there's a lot of heart involved and a lot of emotion and um, a lot of excitement because you, you, you get some you, you you get your big ideas grand ideas. start to run away with you a bit, don't they? And we've talked about this and we'll probably cover it off in the next episode when we talk about budget and how we had to really cull some of the things that we thought we were going to do just because we couldn't make it work in the budget and it didn't make sense. But what do you think about head and heart? How much head do you allow and how much heart? Well, I like to go with a, an 80-20 ratio, so 80% head and 20% heart. Um, I think if you take the heart away, then, you know, it becomes boring and, you know, you're still wanting a little piece of yourself in, in this project. You're doing the work after all and you're managing it, so there needs to be a bit of you in there. On well, property, uh, um, you know, that's kind of a, a crude word, but we're talking about people's homes, right? Well, you're wanting to create a connection with someone, whether or not you're keeping it and they're coming to rent it from you or if you're flipping it, you still want them to come in and have an emotional connection with the property. 
even though you don't want your emotions to run away with you while you're doing the job. So we spoke to Marshall Keane about this as well. I think if we dive into to a project with too much emotion, budgets can blow out, poor decisions can be made, changes can be made that aren't going to reflect a profit at the end of at the end of the project. The problem is not enough emotion can cause to a fairly bland project. If you purchase the wrong property where money has already been spent in certain areas of, of the home, which is reflective in the, the sale price, and then you're going and demolishing that section of the house, you're spending money on something that you shouldn't be destroying, I suppose. Look at all the areas where you're going to be spending money and don't be doubling up. If there's already a, a, a brand new kitchen in the house that you love, work your design around maintaining that kitchen as it is. Don't go pulling things out and reinstating them and spending money twice. If you're renovating for profit and you're going to be selling that property and it looks good and 50% of your friends like that tile, leave that tile. (laughs) It's good to see Marshall and I are on the same page with that one. (laughs) (laughs) Great minds think alike. They do, yeah. So how do you keep heart in the planning process when so much of the stuff we've talked about today is about the technical, is about the budget and is about being, being precise, which often the heart isn't? Obviously, you need to keep within your budget, but there'll always be an option within your budget that is somehow aligned to the vision that you have for the space. For instance, bathroom tiles. You might see a beautiful floor tile, but it's $90 a square meter. And you're like, I just can't do that. This is a, this is going to be a rental property. That would be really dumb to do that. Yep. But there might be another tile that is $30 a square meter. And yeah, it's not quite as beautiful, but it's it's got, there's something about it that's still similar to the one that you really, really loved. Well, you'd obviously go with that one because it's still bringing in that little bit of the vision that you had for your project, but it's a far more sensible choice. And I think if you can kind of apply that, um, to your decisions throughout, especially for the aesthetics, then you'll feel like you've, you know, you've still got a bit of yourself in there. All right, so that's a pretty nice way to finish up. We should run through the key takeouts. Well, the key takeouts for me, the first one would be put someone in charge. So discussion and collaboration are great, but one person needs to feel really comfortable and empowered to make the tough decisions. Yep, and if you've got a plan and you've got a budget and you've got a Gantt chart... You need a Gantt chart. (laughs) You'll be able to make those decisions because you've got the confidence you've had the discussion first. That's right. Be organised. It sounds um, obvious, but put in the the hard work on the administrative side so that when you go to find information that you need around budget or about someone's contact details or a decision that was taken about an action that someone was going to do that might be, you know, material to the the overall project – that you're confident that you know where you're at because you've taken notes, you've updated budgets, you've updated charts. Next point is do the hard yards and keep on top of the details. I'm just going to put it out there now. If you're not willing to do the hard yards and get your hands dirty, you probably shouldn't be doing a renovation for profit project. What's the next tip, Scotty? You've got to know what you need and invest time in finding the right people to work with. Really important, that one. You want to work with uh, all, all the right people on your project. And don't let your emotions get the better of you. Easier said than done, right? That's right. Remember our 80-20 rule. Mostly head, little bit of heart. <laughs> <laughs> so that's it. That's the top tips and the key takeouts for this episode. Coming up next, one of the most important parts of planning 
building a budget and uh, we tell you how to build a budget for renovation success. It's serious business, so don't miss that episode. That is the show thanks to Mortgage Choice Neutral Bay, our trusted mortgage broker who can help you find the right home loan for you. So thanks for listening, guys. We hope you've learned something today and had a little bit of fun along the way. We sure have. We have, yeah. And we'll be back with episode six in this series, Adventures for Renovating for Profit, pretty soon. Thanks, podcasters. See ya.